Before we dive into this episode, I wanted to uh, put forth this little disclaimer. This week's episode is an interview with Jana Wilcox, a senior digital sales strategist for 2060 Digital. And uh, 2060 Digital is owned by Hubbard Radio, which uh, also owns Federal News Network. I no longer work at Federal News Network, but we do. This was recorded a few weeks before I, I had left that position. Just to give you a point of reference, this is the last recorded episode that we did at Federal News Network Studios. That's been our home base for the last six years. We're still going to continue to do the podcast, even though I, I don't work in that studio. I don't have access to that studio. Podcast is about the people who who work in it and uh, who pursue the stories and uh, bring those stories to you. So it's less about location, more about people. And anyway, this is a great conversation about social media. I thought you'd still enjoy it, no matter, even though my personal situation has changed. So enjoy. If you're using a bunch of stock photo after stock photo, at some point, the audience is going to realize that that doesn't feel organic and they want to feel like there's a real person behind the message. Journalists are always trying and failing to crack the social media code. How can you get more people to engage with you and your content? The answer may be just as simple as knowing when to shut up and listen. Oh, and it also helps to be genuine, too. I'm Michael O'Connell, and you're listening to It's All Journalism. Gina Wilcox is a senior digital sales strategist for 2060 Digital. Welcome to the podcast, Jana. Thank you. Okay, so this is kind of a, an interesting podcast we're sort of setting up here. It was kind of on the fly. Jana came to, uh, is with Hubbard uh, Radio, which is the company that owns the, the station that I work at. And she came in to talk to us about uh, social media. That's one of the things that you specialize in, right? Correct. Okay, so, well, first of all, 2060 Digital is? 2060 Digital is owned by Hubbard Radio, and about six or seven years ago, the company saw the opportunity with investing in digital, which includes social media. The landscape is growing, and the digital realm is obviously very huge, and we've seen that. So, that said, six or seven years ago, we joined the 2060 Digital team in Cincinnati, and we've been working with them ever since. And the reason I had you come in, I, I sat in a meeting with you and uh, the presentation you did for it was really kind of combined staff of editorial and our sales staff. And you talked about, well, social media and a lot of the thinking around it. And I thought this would be a great conversation to have on the podcast because, you know, all the newsrooms, both editorially and sales wise, are always trying to look for new ideas, you know, try to get different takes on what's going on in the social media realm. So tell me a little about your own experience with social media. How did you become a social media expert? Yeah, so I went to school at the University of Minnesota. I was in the School of Journalism there and found myself in, on the advertising track studying um, advertising media. And I sort of had some experience with social media, but at the time, you know, it, it, social media was not what it was today. And that changes really daily. I see that all the time. So I had had some experience. I had volunteered with some student groups running social media, had my first job running social media at the Mall of America in Minneapolis or Minnesota. And next thing I know it, I had connected with somebody through Hubbard 
And she just reached out to me a few times and said, hey, we have this position for a social media strategist with our team in the Twin Cities. Come in, you know, you should come in and interview. So I thought about it and eventually I made the switch. And that just got me really into it. But, you know, to tell you the truth, my job is really, you know, learning as I go, because as I mentioned, social media changes on a daily basis. So what are the big things that you've seen change in just in the last couple of years? Yeah, wow. Well, um, we always hear that word algorithms, right? So that's been a huge thing I've seen change is just the way Facebook and other channels such as Instagram, Twitter, and so forth really change their algorithms. And it's about finding what that is. So before, you know, you have posts being in chronological order as you're scrolling through a feed, whereas now there's a lot more strategy behind that. One of them specifically being paid advertising, which has changed quite a bit. Now, you concentrate a lot on that because, you know, there's money, there's money to be spent in newsrooms on, on paid advertising. How is the approach different from maybe you just wanted to put out, like, you know, editorial post with something that's that sponsored content? Yeah, so it's going to be a different approach when you consider the targeting tools that Facebook has. And targeting tools, I mean, you want to you want to make sure you're really hitting the correct audience because... That's all part of that algorithm. And if you are just posting content to the general public, that's fine. Um, Let it be known, too, your page following doesn't necessarily mean that all those people are going to see it. It very well could go beyond that following depending on who's engaging with your content. So finding that and fine-tuning who you're trying to reach, especially if you're using paid ads, is you know, you and I spoke yesterday a little bit about Facebook and, and kind of the challenges that everybody's sort of faced in the last year or so that they've changed their algorithm. I think a lot of that was probably in response to the criticism they faced around the 2016 election, that, you know, the you know bots and fake news. And so they were trying to clean house. And what was funny is before that, they had a whole big initiative about uh, Facebook for journalists and they were going around the country training people and trying to encourage them. But, you know, that's sort of... I'm not hearing a lot of, about that. What's your take on, on what happened at the beginning of the year and how that kind of affected people? Yeah, at the beginning of the year, there is obviously a lot happening. And even, you know, we always hear fake news and, you know, what are we really seeing on social media? What's going on? So I think what happened is Facebook realized that there were a lot of people that didn't necessarily believe in Facebook anymore. And they're a business and there's a lot of businesses who are on there and they're advertising so in order to do that, we've seen changes. We've been told there are certain changes, like you mentioned, the journalism one. We have definitely, um, from an advertiser perspective, seen many things happen, such as some of the targeting tools taken away, kind of just changing that around. There's a lot more where you have to be authorized in many cases, depending on your industry or what type of ads you're doing, especially political so it's really just cracked down on it in an attempt to gain back the trust of a lot of its advertisers and the audiences. Yeah, and that's actually one of the challenges for, for news organizations that are trying to use Facebook as a delivery system, something that they don't actually control. And that's it's always been the challenge is that you're posting stuff there to try to get content, but you're playing by whatever Facebook's rules are. And if they need to change something, you're going to, you know, if you if you go all in, you're going to get screwed. And some companies, some uh, news outlets went out of business because they just, you know, they were relying too much on, on the traffic they were getting for Facebook. And when the change happened, they weren't prepared for it and all those people went away. So could you sort of give us some best practices around using Facebook 
you know, let's talk about maybe brand awareness. What strategies could somebody do to sort of, you know, raise the awareness of their brand? Some best practices when it comes to Facebook. Um, number one, looking at it from an organic standpoint, make sure your page is optimized. It's as simple as updating information in your about section, which links right up to SEO. It's as simple as making sure you're verified. Head into your settings and get that page verified so that you are credible. It's, you know, keeping a consistent brand, whether that be throughout your website, your Facebook presence, your Instagram presence. So little things like that right off the bat are very important. Yeah. One thing I would say about that, I know that people have, because of all of the mistrust, the fake news, et cetera, I think people are a little more wary of of believing everything. There's still plenty of people out there to be duped. But, you know, if something doesn't doesn't look right, they're they're willing to click one or two times to see, to verify. And if, if, you know, if your information is correct, if it doesn't look like a credible news site, if you've got misspellings in places you shouldn't have misspellings, well, you shouldn't have misspellings anywhere. But that works against you and people react very much. Just to elaborate on that, too, think about the type of content from a creative standpoint. If you're using a bunch of stock photo after stock photo, at some point the audience is going to realize that that doesn't feel organic and they want to feel like there's a real person behind the message. So even something as simple too as going live on Facebook, seeing a face, a real person, having that combination and variety of content will also help in that just from an organic standpoint. Yeah. And that's something that that people have talked about for, you know, for as long as I've, I've been dealing with Twitter or Facebook is this idea that you don't be don't just broadcast at people. You've got to have a conversation. You've got to have a personality. You know, I know that on like Twitter, you'll see journalists who do really well because they kind of they don't just share links, but they they reach out to people. They have conversations. How about that the engagement? That's something that everybody's sort of thinking about. What what is that? What is good engagement on, on Facebook? Good engagement on Facebook is really. Um, For example, an individual post, engagement we measure as a reaction, a comment, a share. So people engaging in the conversation, oftentimes I tell people, keep the copy short and sweet, pose a question every so often, you know, get the conversation going. And I like to use the example, too, of we used to build websites, for example, that talked about ourselves and, you know, we do this and this is us. Well, now that's totally changed and the conversation should be directed at the audience. You should be talking to them. The audience wants to feel like they're scrolling through a feed or they're on a website and the brand is is connecting with them in, on an individual level. Can you give me an example of, of like language that would that would sort of represent that? So um, some language that would represent the way we would want to see copy going or messaging um, in any really digital you know space is you wanna you wanna say, you know, are you feeling a certain way or how oh sort of make that connection where, you know, I think one thing that I, that I've, I've sort of learned is, you know, try to imagine who the, the audience is and, and imagine isn't the right word because actually you have data analytics that'll tell you who your audience is and that's mm-hmm. actually who should you determine and that's who you should do your post to. But anyway, once you've identified who your audience is, imagine what is, what's the question their answer. They, they, they want answered and, you know, pose that to them or, you know, say that you have an answer to that or something, you know, what is it, what is the news idea or the, or the, the, the thing that they, they're most interested in, to, in knowing and what, or what problem you can solve. That's another way to do it. 
Absolutely. So um, I see that I see that a lot where, and I'm sure whoever's listening has has noticed that too, where you're scrolling through social media and you see something that really does connect with you. And that's, that's great advertising. That's great content. I mean, for example, I moved recently and I love candles and I moved and I keep getting hit with this homesick candle and it's branded with a Minnesota drawing on it, it says homesick. So all right, now that's just really good advertising too and targeting, but that really spoke to me because yeah, I'm missing home and I love to cozy up with a book and a candle. So just think about the consumer, think about the audience. And if if you know your brand, you know your audience really well. Speak to them. Okay. And before you were talking about sort of targeting using the tools that, that Facebook gives you, especially when it comes to like, uh, you know, doing uh, Facebook ads, how do your analytics work into that as well? I mean, you use uh, analytics to sort of identify audiences. Can you can you sort of talk about that? It's very crucial to take a look at your analytics and use that, use that information. So I always say test, 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 test everything. Test your creative, test your copy, test your call to action. Doing that, you'll find some really interesting information because sometimes you think you do know your audience and you might not, and your audience might be responding to something. So for example, on a paid level, test up to six images, see which one's working. And from the results you get, you know, be looking at that throughout the campaign, not just when the campaign's finished. Go in there and optimize. So really, um, testing is huge. You're not always going to get it on the first try. Yeah, and we do we do A-B testing on our headlines. That's where we mostly use it. But we also spend a lot of time looking at the data analytics to try to see which stories people are, are interacting with, you know, what are the topics they're most interested in, and sort of what times of the day, and to get a, to get a better sense of how to, to target our copy. Now, I, I know that before, I mean, you mentioned you mentioned video or do like a, a Facebook Live. And, you know, a few years ago, I mean, that was something that, that Facebook was really kind of pushing because they wanted everybody to sort of adopt it. But now that seems to be less of a a thing that they're really interested. But you, you still think it's a, a good thing to do, a viable thing to do? Yeah, I think Facebook Live is a good thing to do if you want to, again, keep your brand, your business as real as possible. So don't flood the feed with it. You don't need to go live every day or every couple hours, but maybe once a week, maybe once a month. That's another great place for engagement, asking questions or, you know, hey, we got a bunch of questions this week on XYZ. We're going to address them here. Answer those. Again, it's back to that real life feeling that the consumer is going to want to see. So how, how, this is probably the question you get all the time, how much should I be engaging on on Facebook? How often should, should I be posting? Again, that's something that's changed. So the amount of times you should be posting on social media has changed. I used to say post seven times a week. Get out there, you know, be posting. Now, I believe if you're posting three to five times a week, you're probably fine. Because if you are posting quality content, it's more likely to be relevant and reach your audience. But also, you know, having a a paid component to really feed off that too is, is going to be very important. So when you say three to five times a week, are you talking just paid ads or are you talking just posts in general? Posts in general. Now, it will depend on industry. So for you, for example, when you're, you have news stories all the time, that's going to be different. So think about that too. I'm thinking from, you know, I've worked with many clients, quite a range. So 
it really depends on the industry. And take a look at that, too. Um, don't just post the same type of content each and every day. If you're only posting articles, try switching that up and see if that does anything for you. There's no real formula I can give you as to post three times a day at 7 p.m. and you're good. You know, there's really, you just have to kind of, it depends. It's such a, it sounds like such a bad answer. Like, hey, I don't really know, but you know, you don't know until you try and it's dependent on your industry. Yeah. Well, the problem is, is it's social media is supposed to be so organic and organic doesn't always work for our workflows Mm -hmm. Uh, and and wherever we can look for an opportunity to, oh, okay, I'm just going to schedule posts and and we're going to make sure we do them at these particular hours. That makes my job easier, which in the end doesn't really serve what you're trying to do, which is you're trying to have a engaging conversation you're trying to get people interested in your content if you're just like checking a box and sending something out then that that's problematic let's talk a little bit about instagram i I know instagram is is really kind of a big thing surprisingly it is i I, maybe i'm not surprised i like instagram a lot but you know how is instagram different than facebook instagram um instagram is my personal favorite I, everyone's a photographer on Instagram, right? Like you can be your own person, you can be artsy, whatever. It's visual. It's a visual channel to be on. And that's the main difference is you're more focused on that creative piece rather than the copy or um, that sort of thing. Although Instagram has adopted much of Facebook's tactics. Facebook actually bought Instagram a few years back. And so you can do the same type of ads across the board with Instagram. And, you know, it is good for businesses now and we're, we've seen that growth. So, um, but the main difference is the visual piece. We've mostly talking about Facebook. We've also talked a little bit about Instagram, but what about Twitter? I know there are a lot of news organizations that rely on Twitter to roll out their breaking news, you know, to find sources online. How important is that? Is it still important? And also maybe even what about LinkedIn? When it comes to Twitter, um, and I'll get into LinkedIn in just a moment, here's what I say. If you have a presence on Twitter, keep that presence. I get the question so often from clients or people who are interested in the topic of, well, Twitter's on the downfall. It's, you know, it's not as useful as it used to be. There's a lot of thoughts and opinions and research actually done. But especially from a news standpoint, I say continue on Twitter a great place for news. People like to follow news. They like to follow sports. It's very real time. It's very fast. And think about what's trending and just take that in consideration as a strategy. If something's trending or breaking news, I mean, you should be on there engaging in that conversation. What about the business aspect of it, Twitter? Is Twitter a good place for ads? So when it comes to Twitter ads, you know, it is a good place. From a personal standpoint, I prefer Facebook. Um, They're targeting tools are just a little bit more advanced for me, and I've seen more success. I've seen a lower cost per result with Facebook and Instagram. But Twitter does have the options. It does have opportunities for you to build audiences, upload information such as emails, create lookalike audiences, target specific people who are on Twitter. So depending on who you're trying to reach, and if your audience um, or competitors are on Twitter, then definitely try out some ads. And uh, LinkedIn? LinkedIn is you know, B2B, you want to be on there for uh, a lot of people who come to me who say, I'm a business, trying to reach a business. Well, let's talk LinkedIn. Um, There's a lot of targeting tools in that as well. LinkedIn tends to be more expensive cost per result compared to Facebook. There really are opportunities for you to reach that business that you're trying to communicate with. 
Yeah, I think uh, it definitely works better as a, as a business sort of platform for getting out information. For newsrooms, you know, we've tried several times to you know get some success on LinkedIn, and part of the you know the inspiration of it is you know Federal News Network. We we do have sort of a business component. Our, our target audience are federal managers. You know the the people we you know who are, who are advertisers are you know these companies are trying to get the managers to to buy their goods, and so there's. There's definitely this the strata of target audience that that uses LinkedIn to connect in a business to business way, and so our thought was, well, maybe we can you know dish out some some news content to try to generate some page views that way, and, and it's really been kind of hit or miss. We, we see some engagement, but not a lot. But we don't necessarily see a lot of traffic coming back in. And I think probably we could sort of sum up this conversation, you know, from our perspective, you know, we put a lot of our efforts in behind Facebook over the other platforms. You know, despite all of the algorithmic problems, when Facebook works, it works really well compared to the other platforms. So, you know, with limited resources for us, you know, that that tends to be our choice. Yeah. um, In summary, if I can leave you with anything, it's that, yes, Facebook really, if you take the time and effort and um, really strategize, it can work. And so my advice would be to take that time and learn know the tools and the capabilities and that does take effort and time and it's hard to understand but take your strategy and then transfer that onto Facebook and see see what's available because the chances are there's going to be something that works for you and it's better to do that and take the time and, and figure out what's what than just blindly go in and boost a post that might not hit your quality target and then you're just wasting money. Yes, definitely. Nobody wants to waste money. There's not enough money to go around. (laughs) Jaina, you spent two days talking and talking to all of us, and you you were kind enough to to come in and and talk on the podcast for a little bit. I'm going to let you go. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about the people who make the news. Find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. 2018 is winding down, and the It's All Journalism crew is putting together a year-in-review episode to be posted later this month. We'd like to hear from you what you think is our best episode of 2018. Go to our website or Facebook page and take our anonymous online survey. While you're visiting our website, why not sign up for the It's All Journalism newsletter? You'll get all the latest info about our podcast, including episode notes and news about live events and upcoming episodes. Go to itsalljournalism.com and subscribe. It takes a lot of people to produce an episode of It's All Journalism. Nicole Grisco produced this episode. Amber Healy wrote our web content. Nuke Dupre wrote our theme music. Amelia Brust helped out with our booking. Nicholas Hunter provided a web assist. And I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. It's All Journalism is produced in partnership with the Association of Alternative News Media. Thanks for listening.